Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the strength that we gather as we congregate as the body of Christ. It says that we are living stones and we're assembled together in your presence. And it says as a habitation of your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit abide in this meeting this morning. We pray for your anointing, Lord. I pray that my myself uh, would step out of the way and your Holy Spirit would shine forth. That it says in your word, you give promise that if we minister, let us do it with uh, with uh, ability, uh, that we would speak the oracles of God. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would use me as a vessel this morning to speak forth what he desires, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. And we give you all the glory more than what we can physically do. Um, it seems a small thing, but Lord, we give you all the glory. We thank you that your name is lifted up amongst the saints, that we give you testimony of your faithfulness amongst the saints. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You know this, um, you know, it's come up in the service this morning that we're living in peculiar times right now. I would say that, you know, this is a, a unique p uh, position in history. And, uh, you know, I met with Pastor Rob this week, and we were talking story about certain things. And, you know, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns for his church. When he's going to come back, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. It's going to be a time unprecedented. He says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. That that's how terrible it's going to be. We also know that he promises his church that I haven't appointed you to wrath. He says that. I don't believe that the tribulation period is for the church. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. I believe it's for the nation of Israel. Jesus says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They all, he also said, or Jesus said to them, he says, you know, I came in my father's name and you didn't receive me. Another is coming in his own name. Him you will receive. The Jews are still waiting on their Messiah. They didn't realize that Jesus was the Messiah, the vast majority of them. Some of them have their eyes opened up. The book of Romans talks about the fact that we shouldn't be ignorant of the fact that blindness in part has come on Israel, the nation of Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. We, praise God, heard this message of the gospel and we're filling in the kingdom. We're filling in those positions. Thank the Lord that he's waited this long for him to return back to come for his church. Because in the meantime, people are packing into the kingdom. People are coming into the kingdom. I thank you, Mika, for doing that. You know, for, and, and uh, uh, the praise and worship team, or you and Alan, for talking with and fellowshipping with the Highly Miley boys. We came for the Bible study on Wednesday night, and um, Joe and, and um, um, Rev were outside, and Joe came up, and he gives me a big hug, and he goes, well, I was worried about you. And I said, what? He goes, man, I came one day, and I was picking up the cans over here, and I look, oh, no church service. And uh, for two weeks, we canceled church because COVID just ran rampant to our church. And he was really concerned. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, well, I didn't realize that you guys were that concerned about church of the firstborn. <laughs> I'm serious. Joe used to come here. Joe had an experience with the Lord. The thing is, as life goes on, we get disappointments and things come our way. And it has a tendency to veer us off course. 
I'm talking to the ones here, and I want to see Joe back in the kingdom. I want to see Rev in here. I want to see Rev up here praising the Lord. Is that? I know that's Mika's heart. We we prayed about it on, on in the mornings there. Been praying for this man. That's what we want to see, that they would be partakers of this reality that we are partakers of, that we are not of this world. And even as it says, we look down the line. And it's like we're on a train track, and we look down and we say, you know what, the bridge is out. The bridge is destroyed. And we're still on a train that's screaming down the tracks, and we're trying to warn. Do you see that the train track is out over here? And this is the reality. But if we're in Christ, we have hope beyond that. Hope beyond this planet. Hope beyond this world. Hope beyond the physical constraints that uh, constrain us in this world. You know, we're having, like I said, we're a spiritual being, or a spiritual being having a fleshly experience. When we got born again, our spirit was awakened in Christ. Our spirit was born again, but the flesh didn't catch up yet. It's still like, do we really have to do that? Do we need to do that? We need to do that in the flesh. We're being perfected in the flesh by obedience. We're submitting to the Lord over what our soul and flesh would like to gang up on us. It says, no, don't do that. That's not comfortable for you. But if the spirit gets in line and takes dominion over the soul, then you have the spirit and the soul over the flesh. It says, no, we override you and this is what we're going to do. And we have the ability, because we have Jesus interceding at the right hand of the Father, plus we have His Holy Spirit within us, so we outnumber you. But we have to make that choice consciously and say, alright, this is who I am in Christ. We can't allow us to be defined by our circumstances or the things that we're going through, or disappointments, because those are the things that the devil... gets. Get over here, let's talk. Are you disappointed over what happened? Was that hard to go through? We all go through these things. But we're not moved by our feelings. We should be moved by our faith. And if we do that, we will see results. Amen? And I love what Jolita, that's so true what we say, because we can know these things, but in the midst of the battle, the mouth don't even want to speak it sometimes. Amen? Because we're sour. Why am I going through this, God? Am I, am I, not, am I, am I on your bad list right now? And we, faith says, I will, I will confess this, I will believe this, even though I don't feel this right now. Amen? Amen. And that's where the breakthrough's at right there. That's where it is. I want to um, do a sermon, or it's like a expository sermon, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I just, you know, I'm trying to address... Where we're at as a people, as a church, in history, right now, what's happening right now. And it's difficult, man. It's difficult right now. Because it's unlike any other time, I believe. I think that there's, there, you know, like Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be what, before I come back. What was it like back then? Well, it was running rampant. It said there was violence in the earth. We just had a testimony of that right here. Just violence. The, every intention of man was continually evil. The internet is a great tool. But can you imagine how much of it's being used for evil? There's something called the dark web that I don't even want to know about. But there's stuff on there that you don't want to know about. That's going on. It says a lot of the stuff is going on on the dark web. And I got, there's enough on the regular web. Not to add in the dark web, where who knows what goes on on the dark web. 
But I'm serious. We, we have these technologies and it could be used for research. It could be used to find out things that are profitable. But man in their corrupted form wants to turn these things for evil. It's like nuclear power. You could power, probably clean fusion and things that, oh, let's make weapons out of that. You know, first thing we want to corrupt it. The world was corrupted during the days of Noah. Every intention of man was evil continually. And God was up there and he's like, it says that he repented. He's like, man, why did I even start this mess? And that's my translation. I'm sure he, God knew what he was doing. And he knew it was going to be like this before it even happened. But that's just my interpretation of it. Look at them, man. I had a perfect environment and they screwed it up. And it didn't take them that long. Right? And so they're multiplying, and they're just doing crazy, and there's violence, and it's this and that. He goes, man, Noah started building the ark. So he starts constructing this thing, and he's building this massive... Pro we went to the ark in, in Kentucky, the reconstruction of the ark, and it is something to behold. You get on a bus, and you, before you're even there, you're looking at this structure like, wow. 600 feet long. I mean, just massive. And you're thinking, they actually built this thing. And they go inside and they show how they probably fed the animals, how they watered the animals. They show a cross-section of the hull, how it was placed together with, uh, you know, pins and, and uh, uh, pegs and tenons and just held together. And you're like, because they didn't have the kind of technology we got. The, the, they, they postulate, and it, you know, it's just probably engineers being involved with this project. Okay, if it's this big, the, the, the hull had to be that thick to sustain the pressures of this thing. And they show a cross-section of the hull. It's massive. And each beam had to be worked like crazy. So they're working on this project for, what, a close to 100 years? And the message is, God's going to send judgment. God's going to send judgment. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I'm building this ark. I'm saving the animals and I'm saving those righteous seed. We're going to get into this boat and we're going to float above this. And the message is going out and people are going on as if nothing's ever going to happen. What is rain? We never saw rain in our lives. And the message is, like Isaiah Reed, I remember one time he said, can you imagine going to, going to Noah's church and it's the same message for a hundred years. There's going to be a flood. Get your life right. That gets kind of tiring after a while. Don't you have anything else to preach? I'm trying to warn you, man. This stuff is coming. We read this Bible and it says that the prophetic word, it's a more sure word of prophecy than... Peter, James, and John going up under the Mount of Transfiguration and seeing Christ in his glory. He says, this word is a more sure foundation than even there being physically and seeing Christ in his glory. That's crazy. That God says, I place my word above my head. I place, I, I put, I put my, my you, know, you, you hear the story back in the day. My word is my bond. I don't need a contract. I said it, it's going to happen. It's going to be, that's our God. This is his contract with us. I said it, it's going to happen. We look out there, we see it going on. We see the rumblings of the Great Reset, which mean a cashless society doing business without any physical currency. How's that going to work? How's that going to work? How long are we going to be here? How deep are we going to go into this? You know, we, we're like most people on Maui. Shoppers at Walmart, or like Mika says, Wama. <laughs> Everything made in China. 
but we love to hate it. Wah, ma. <laughs> and we go there, and, and all of a sudden, man, what happened to all the tellers? Where's all the tellers at anymore? Where's all the checkout people? And it's all mechanically now. It's all digital. Scan out, do you want to sit? And they stand there. Do you want to scan out? No. I don't want to do your job. I want somebody physically scanning our stuff that we buy. Amen? I want these people to be employed. I don't want to deal with a machine. You know what I'm saying? And it's just irritated because it's going to get to the point where you're going to need some sort of credential to go there and there's not going to be anybody to argue with. Deal with the machine and big security at the door. You know what I'm saying? We can see where it's going. But God made promises to his church. But God said, trust me. Do not, do not fear. Do not fear. We look out there, and, and I like what J.D. Farage says, whenever the Lord says, do not fear, the reason is, it's because we're fearful. And he's reminding us, don't fear, because I'm over here with you. It looks fearful. It looks fearful. We look at it. How does this all work out? In the flesh, in the spiritual, we can, oh yeah, we can just breeze through it because I got faith. But the flesh is like, wait a minute now. I still got to eat. I still got to live here. I still got to occupy this. But the spirit overrides that if we have, if we choose to have faith over what we, we're seeing. And it's naturally fearful. I'm just being honest. I'm looking, I'm, we're scanning the horizon and we're saying, how does this actually physically work out? Praise God that he has a plan and he's been faithful and God is a God of deliverance. You can see it over and over. What about the nation of Israel? We just sang it this morning. Some trust in, in horses, some we chase it, trust in chariots, but we'll trust in the name of our God. One of the, who losing my breath over here, man. No. <laughs> I love the story, and I'm, for what reason? I don't know. Back in, the, but we we were faced many times, and I know that we will face those sorts of things again. Is we're backed up against the Red Sea, and we and and Pharaoh's over there licking his chops. Oh Moses, he's just stupid. He brought him into this wadi, this gap, and now he's backed up against the sea, and we're coming to the only place where he can escape. The land has confused him. We got him now. He, he, he ruined us in Egypt. God humbled us, but we're getting revenge now. And they figure, we got him. And Moses, after all the things, God used him, take your staff, do this, boom, call that, call that this, you know, plagues and this and that. And he's like screaming, God, what are we going to do? The people look around and here's Pharaoh's armor coming, his, his army with all his chariots and all his horsemen, all his spearmen coming. And there's no place but the Red Sea. And it's like, did you bring us out here to die? And he goes, why are you crying to me? Tells Moses, I mean, I sympathize with Moses. That is pretty fearful at that point, right? Take your staff and go strike the water. Boom. And it says, an east wind came and blew. And it says, it, it split the waters in half where the water stood up on a heap on the left side and the right side. It stood up in a heap. Can you imagine seeing water? I mean, I don't know how, de how deep the Red Sea. They said there is a land bridge that they found. That is very possible for the, it's a gradual descent into the Red Sea and then a gradual ascent on the other side. They found like this 
you know, the Red Sea is sort of deep over there. They're crossing, but there's this land bridge that comes up and it's kind of a little bit more shallow, but it's still where the water would be in a heap on this side and a heap on that side. And so they're like, whoa, I never saw that before. God is capable of doing things that we've never seen before. In the midst of our circumstances, when we cry out to him in faith, God help me is probably one of the most powerful uh, prayers you can ask. God help me. And he responds. Pharaoh thinks, well, if they can do that, I can do that. We're gonna get we're gonna get glorified in this slaughter. And so Moses to get start going, man. The people are going across dry shod. The wind blew so long, the ground was even dried. They walked across, came up the other side. And God says he put a pillar of fire to stop Pharaoh and his armies. And not only that, they're still trying to go. They're like, some of, the, some of his smarter people were saying, we better just let them go because we're fighting against God right now. And he goes, no. His pride says, I'm going after them. And he says that he put a pillar to stop them. And then he lifts this pillar. And maybe the people weren't all the way across. He says he gums up their chariot wheels where they can't even, they're, they're trying to go, but it was with difficulty. Get out into the middle of the ocean and the water closes in over them. Boom, and wipes them out. He says, these Egyptians who you see today, you will see no more forever. I'm going to fight for, me, for you, Moses, and you will hold your peace. God is able to do incredible things when we have faith in him the word of God says this don't be unbelieving but be believing I remember I told you that story about the time for marriage ministry we got to Denver under miraculous circumstance I won't go into it but there was a couple that we met there from Fiji and they were talking they said oh you need to talk to these guys over here and they said oh we trust God we live on the island of Fiji and we're doing marriage ministry and we got to go on the other side of the island to go minister and there's not a lot of traffic there but when we need a ride to get to the other side of the island we go out in the side of the road and we pray and somebody will drive past pick us up take us over there to minister and then after we're done somebody will drive us back and bring us home and I was like wow and he goes in fact the Lord told us that we needed from, to go from uh, Fiji to Denver, and we had no money. So the Lord says, go down to the airport and pray, and somebody's going to pay your trip to Denver. I was like, what? And he goes, and so we go down there and we pray, and somebody says, well, the Lord told me to buy you tickets to go to America, to Denver. And they got there. And they said, well, how are you getting back? Well, we're going to sit in the lobby after this meeting. <laughs> true story and says we're gonna pray and God's gonna keep somebody up from sleeping until they buy us a ticket to go back to Fiji I go unbelievable he goes it's not unbelievable it's believable I'll never forget that it's not unbelievable it's believable so we got to think along those lines we're a spiritual being having a fleshly experience in this life the flesh wants to be like the ball and chain. You can't do that. The flesh can't do that. Yeah, but the spirit says all things are possible with Christ through those who believe. Amen. The word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to discern between um, soul and spirit. Between uh, bone and marrow. It's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. 
our whole heart is laid bare before God. He looks at us and says, do you believe me? And normally that's being tested under difficulty. There's something called a shock test. You ever heard of that before? It's something where engineers do. They, like, we'll, we'll construct an airplane. And I'm sure they probably do it with CAD or com computer-assisted design these days. But before, in the, in, back in the day, they would make a physical model, put it in a, you know, in, a, in a wind tunnel, and then you know, put stresses on it and do whatever. But a shock test is like you, you build a model of a building or whatever. You put it under a certain amount of stress and see if the thing can handle. If you just build a model and put it there, oh yeah, it looks good. But can it handle? Can it handle the stress? Every time we go through a trial, God is giving us a shock test. Do you really believe? Are you really a believer? This is the crown. This is something I've seen. And I'm still wanting to attain to this. That it says that when we go through the trial, count it all joy. Because you should know already. That it ain't going to let you die at the Red Sea. That I got a great plan to bring you on on the other side. And there's a glorious song that they sang. Moses sang a song. Miriam sang a song. And it's about, it goes on. And love the horse and the rider and the chariots. He threw them into the sea. Hallelujah. And timbrels. And they're jumping up and down and all that. But what if they would have sang that on the other side of the sea when they had faith in God because they just got delivered from Egypt with ten mighty miracles. And we look at them and said, how come they didn't rejoice? And the other side of the sea, what about you? What about me? Do we rejoice when we're going through the heat of the trial? That's the crowning of our faith. That we can have such faith that we said, glory to God. That he knew that I could handle this test. That he strengthened me through this thing. He placed this up. You know, sometimes I think to you know, myself, man, how come I couldn't have been born in the 50s when everything was good? Right? I mean, just thinking, man. We, we looked down the line and we're like, it doesn't look so good. But God has promised us as the believers to get over to the other side. Right? There's several times where Jesus told his disciples, get into the boat. Get into the boat. The first one, it says they get on there. And it says that Jesus in the back of the boat laid down on the ballast, uh, whatever, pillows over there. And he's crashed. And they're, they're probably tired. They ministered all day. They're tired. And they say, man, I just got to go to sleep. And they get out on the, on the um, Sea of Galilee. And a great tempest, it says, comes up. And it says, these guys are fishermen. They're not wimps. We've been out here on stormy weather before. And it says, this is a great storm. Mao, you probably know, you probably got a ton of stories of being out on a boat in a great storm. When the water's splashing over the side. God, don't you care that we're perishing? Feeling that way. And Jesus is in a sleep in the back of the boat. <laughs> like, I, I said, let's go over to the other side. When Jesus says, let's go over to the other side, do you think he means what he says? And so the boat is like getting swamped and they're bailing and like, wake him up, man, wake him up. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? He says, where is your faith? I mean, I can sympathize with these guys. They're ready to go under. There's the other time, which is, a, it's interesting. Before I, I you know, I was, uh, Jesus in the boat, there's several times where he did this. The other time he says, you guys get in the boat. I'm going up on the hill to go pray. Uh, you sure you don't want to come with us? 
go out and they're rowing to their destination and the wind was contrary, was against them, and they're making no progress. And they're like, oh, man, we're tired. We're tired already. And the, the water, I'm sure, is boisterous. It's just, you know, bouncing the boat all over the place. And then it said at the midnight hour, I think it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, you see a person just cruising by, walking on the water. It's like, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. <laughs> Freaking out. Nobody's supposed to be walking on the water. And then Peter looks real good. It looks like it's the Lord. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Come? Steps out of the, out of the boat and starts walking on water, doing the impossible. When did you ever hear of somebody walking on the water? I think in one of the Proverbs it says, He alone walks on the water. But Peter was with him. And it says he looks and he sees the waves are, are rolling and it's, the wind is blowing. And all of a sudden he gets his eyes off the Lord and he starts sinking. And he says, Lord, save me. And Jesus stretches out his hand. Boom. And he gets him back on the boat and says, Why did you doubt? You are doing impossible things. But it shows our humanity that we're a spiritual being having a fleshly experience that there's these dual natures that we're all struggling with so don't feel condemned when I bring these stories up I believe that's why they're written for us to be able Jesus says he was tempted tested in all ways like we are but yet without sin he never failed and he gave us that example he says keep your eyes on me you know as we go through these troubling times I think that's the best I keep telling my kids that they said, what should we do? What do we, what do, we do? How do we... My son got two uh, beautiful... We got two beautiful grandchildren. And a concern is like, man, he lives in Tennessee. And every now and then, they got to go into their, their shelter under the house because of tornadoes. And you see the devastation of these storms that I don't believe are due to climate change or consumption of fossil fuels. I believe because the earth is convulsing with the amount of sin that's on it right now. And also, possibly, the abilities of man has exceeded his morality, and we have the ability to manipulate the weather with results that are out of control. I believe those two things are happening right now. How much of this is a judgment of God, and how much of it is this monkeying around with things that we don't understand? It's really an interesting thing to ponder. Even this current predicament we find ourselves in, that's a worldwide thing. Get tested, get injected, get tested again, get vaccinated, get boosted, this, that, the other. And then we come to find out none of it works. It's all big lie. It's a big lie. And there's people that are, that are casting off this yoke and says, no more. We ain't playing this game no more. We as a church should be about the truth. We shouldn't be propagating lies, right? The church is about the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It says the first element of our spiritual warfare, gird yourself with truth. Pull that thing tight. Because he also said, what are the characteristics of the time when Christ returns? He says, don't be deceived. There's going to be a lot of deception out there right now. The news wouldn't lie to us. Fauci wouldn't lie to us. Really? Really? A lot of lies going on out there. This is the truth. This is where you get your discernment. This is how you get the ability to say, that's a lie. That don't sit right with me. That's a lie. This is the truth. Get familiar with the truth. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Get familiar with his word because his word is 
Jesus is the living embodiment of this word right here. Amen? I'm probably not going to get through this, but I'm going to read. I'm going to start. This is in 1 Peter. And this is uh, Peter's, what you would say, his swan song. Or what he would impart. Say, if, if uh, I knew I was going to pass away, these are the things that he would like to impart to his disciples. These are the things that, this is what I would impart to my son or my daughter. These are the things that are important to me. This is what I, I want you to know. And this is what Peter is imparting to us who's written to this. And he's addressing it in First Peter. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit and for, for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. It was God's idea to have you here today. It was God's idea to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. It was God's plan from the foundation of the world. It was God's provision by His precious blood that gave us entry into His family. It wasn't an act of righteousness on my behalf, your behalf. It was God who initiated. While we were yet sinners, God sent His only Son to be die for us. That if we would have faith in that, that we have a new birth, born from spiritual seed, born in the heavenlies above, placed and seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. God's idea, not our idea. Not because we're so smart or because we look so good, but God chose us. And for us, that should be enough right there. That should be enough for me, but I'm a fleshly man having a spiritual experience. And we want more. But if we, if we come back and review these things, it has a way to rein us back in to what is eternal, what is important, what's going to last this, I believe, First and Second Peter talk about this is the manner of persons ought we to be in this time, right now. It's always been, but I believe it's more evident right now. Verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just like what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, that we're still in our sins. And we of most people, the most miserable people on the planet. It's like we're teaching through the book of Acts right now. Excuse me. And there's two groups. The Pharisees, Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Paul gets in the middle of this thing. And he perceives, whoa, one side's a Pharisee. And one side's a Sadducee. And I'm going to appeal to the Pharisees, because they believe in the resurrection, they believe in angels, they believe in eternal life, and the Sadducees don't believe in any of that. So he says, man, if I'm being judged for the resurrection of the dead, why are you guys harshing me over here? And, they, and the Pharisees said, that's right, he's a Pharisee, he believes in resurrection, we're on his side. And the Sadducees are like, no, we don't believe in any of that. If you don't believe in the resurrection, why don't you just go party on, I mean, your life, this is all you get right now. Why don't just enjoy it to the backs? I don't even understand why there would be a Pharisee. I mean, a uh, Sadducee. And they were sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> I guess they just wanted to... <laughs> Thank you, Mika. <laughs> My inspiration. <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> 
<laughs> begotten us again, verse 3, to a living hope through Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance. Listen to this. It's not only salvation. This is the things that accompany salvation, the book of here. Things are accompanying salvation to an inheritance, uncorruptible, undefiled, which does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you need be, for you are grieved by various trials. How many have been grieved by various trials? If need be. But in reality, you think about it, the times you grew the most in your life, was it when everything was good, and your investments are doing good, and there's no problems? Did you dig in with the Lord at those times? I mean, some people might be able to say that they did. I did it. I was living life. Man, it's all good. But when hard times come, what is this all about? What do I do? What do we, uh, Lord, help me. And the roots go deep because there's a lot of wind on the branches right now and it's rocking that tree. Okay, your roots are going a little deeper right now to sustain you through this. Ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while it need be that you've been grieved by various trials. This is the this is the, the high water mark. Aside from love, I think this is number two. That we would be able to trust God enough to say thank you Lord for allowing this. Because nothing comes into our life that doesn't come through the filter of Jesus Christ if we're a believer. Right? right? And there's some things they are like, man, why would he allow that? I don't know, he's God, but he figured you could handle it, right? I like what J.D. Farage said the other week. He said, the question that we're not prepared to answer from, a, why does bad things happen to good people? He says, that's the wrong question. We should turn it around and say, why do good things happen to bad people? He's like, ooh, I got to think, think about that. You know, he, he, he preached on that. And I go, that's a, I, I stumbled at that same thing. He says sometimes we see people and we know that they're not doing it right. They're cutting corners. They're doing whatever. And you see them, they got the good house and the, the big car. And everything looks like it's doing well with them. And it's like there's no pain in their, you know, in their life. And it just looks sweet. And then he says, I almost stumbled at that. Until I went into the house of the Lord. And I realized that their feet are placed on a slippery slope. That they're one step away from eternal damnation. And then I felt sorry for them. You see the advantage that we have? According to perspective. According to attitude. According to, let me look into this and think about it. Really think of it. Meditate on this. Is our belief something we do on Sunday? Or is our belief something we are? that we manifest help it to be what we are this is what first peter is talking about it's talking about godly character it's talking about who we really are in christ the things that he's allowing in our life it's not because he's a you're mean god you're a mean father i wouldn't treat my kid like that well he knows what we need and he's looking for us to mature through those things that come our way Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're almost at the revelation. You know what the book of Revelation is about? 
Revelation is, uh, you know, you hear that word and you think, oh, that's turmoil and, and locusts, demons, and, you know, fires and famines and this. And revelation, the revelation is about unveiling who Christ is. It's unveiling his ultimate victory over all of this. And his enthronement and his conquering and his overcoming with the saints. The promises of God being fulfilled. Finally coming into a terminus and everything coming and everything put under his feet. That's what the book of Revelation is about. I don't read it. It's kind of scary. No, it's glorious. The gospel message is the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of Christ. And we, I believe, are the generation that God has chosen to say, you will witness these things. It says that there's prophets that wanted, they wrote these things and they go, what does this mean? You read some of the prophet stuff and you're like, I can't even, I couldn't imagine the faith to even pen that, that it took. You know, they're talking about a Messiah that's rejected and he's cast off and who's going to believe the report and they pluck out his beard and they put him on the cross. This is the Messiah. What are you writing? Are you on something? And yet they wrote it in faith, and we got to see it fulfilled in Christ. And we're getting to see a time where unless God shortened a day, nobody would survive. Before that was absurd. Now it's plausible. Now it's headed in that direction. But he also says, I have it appointed by church to wrath. That you plant within the faith of what his word says, and not to fear. Because I already said, we're getting over to the other side. Amen? That's good news. That's good news that should be ringing louder than my perceptions of things that are happening. Because sometimes it gets out of balance. You know, if you study this stuff, you could really, it's just like, oh my gosh, how do I even get up in the morning now? But the reality of it is, the end of the story has already been written. And we see, we, we, man, see yourself with a white robe see yourself with crowns on your head see yourself as a son like the prodigal coming into the presence of the Lord and he embraces us and says man I've been waiting for you to get here you got a lot that I'm going to show you right now you imagine see the saints that preceded us our family members and the, the, the heroes of the book of Hebrews and the heroes of the Bible and he said man we were cheering you on from the heavenly grandstands and you're here you guys made it. We are the, we are the, the last uh, lap around the, the relay race. that we've, The baton has been passed to us. And like, Lord, help us run well in this last lap. Help us to run well. Not only that, help us to bring those who don't know this with us. Help us to share this. But how can we share this when we're all bust up, man? You, you know, we, get, we, we lose our perspective. We go... Uh, the gospel is good news? Right? Am I talking to the right people? <laughs> but if we, if we get this in our heart, man, we're victorious, we're seated in heavenly places, he's coming back very soon. And then we see ourselves, man, we're gonna, it's going to be a glorious meeting of the saints of antiquity and us coming in to marriage supper of the Lamb Jesus says, I'm not going to drink the fruit of this vine until I drink it anew with you in my kingdom. And we grab our glass and we all stand up and we give a toast to King Jesus. And not only that, after seven years, we come back 
to the earth, riding on white horses, following King Jesus, riding on a horse that says, King of kings and Lord of lords. And with a word, he vanquishes the enemies. It's not even a fair fight. I was listening to some stuff this morning. I was like, whoa, that these people who have given over to evil actually think that they're going to prevent Christ from coming and establishing his church. They're devising weapons. They're devising technologies. They're converting with principalities and powers of wickedness to prevent him from establishing. Like you could do that, people. Get a clue, man. No, but this is real. I mean, he was mentioning names. I go, I know that guy. I heard that before. I heard this. Man, that's correct. Yep, that's right in line. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And if you read the book of Revelation, you see where that takes place. And it's a stupid plan. And don't be involved with this. And we have to warn people that this plan ain't going to work. The only kingdom that's going to prevail is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we're his subjects. Amen? Let me try to find some place to stop this. I'm almost done. It says, of this salvation, verse 10, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied the grace that would come to us, to you. Grace, we're saved by grace, not by works. We're saved by faith. Searching what or what matter of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them indicated that he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, that not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering things which now have been reported to you, through which we have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Do you realize that there was a rebellion at some point? doesn't really talk much about it in the Word of God. But there was a rebellion in heaven. Where Satan deceived one third of the angels and says, I think I got a better plan than God. And God said, you know, you think, I mean, you look at the book of Revelation, you see how this is dealt with. He just takes a, a, a minor angel and says, go down there, grab the Antichrist, throw him in the pit, go over there, boom. You know, and he's just, it's, it's not even a fair fight. Why didn't you just destroy all this stuff to begin with? Because God was working out his sovereignty. God was working out his justice. God was working out his righteousness not only for us, but he was playing this whole panoply, this whole uh, uh, huge uh, thing that we're a part of in front of principalities and power. So once this thing is settled, nobody's going to say, well, if I would have been doing it, it would have went out differently. He's letting the whole thing play out. And then when it finally comes down, everybody's going to be on their face and holy, holy and righteous and wise and good and faithful. And you love us, Lord. And there's going to be no complaint. Because everybody saw it for what it was. That's what this whole thing, that's what we're a part of. And our eyes are open to this through the word. Things that angels desire to look into. Angels are like, what? You're going to incarnate? You're going to turn into a man and you're going to die for them? And then if they have faith in that shed blood, that they have salvation? That's outrageous. It really is. But if we understand it, maybe it would have a bearing on how we live. Speaking to myself... Amen? If we consider this miraculous thing that God has done for us, that we would esteem it a little bit higher than what we do. Speaking to myself first and foremost. Amen? That's the power of His Word. That we take it as truth and we don't lightly esteem it. Because we are 
a spiritual being having a fleshly experience. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. If we're in Christ, we're in that word. We're conceived by a living hope, by a living word, that we transcend this temporal existence. We thank you, Lord, that you've deemed us.